Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with Ed Howley, creative partner at By All Means, a Melbourne full-service creative agency that is determined to inspire. I actually love that. Welcome, Ed. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I love the determined to inspire is a great sort of mission, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it plays nicely into our name by all means. When we named the agency, we wanted to imbue the business with a, you know, a way of working and a, and a point of view and, and determined to inspire just plays off nicely um, with the spirit in which we do business at by all means. Um, so uh, how long ago did you start by all means? Because I, 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 what I do love about it is it's much more positive than uh, whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> we are eight this month. Um, wow. Yes. Okay. Although, you know, the last two years spent in lockdown in Melbourne, maybe maybe we're six, you know. <laughs> well, look, I have to say they, the, the argument is if you last more than two years with a new business, you're doing well. To last eight years, having gone through the two years of a pandemic, you're doing very well. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was... It, a moment to celebrate when we pass those statistically scary milestones. I think, you know, year one is one and then year five is another that other businesses fail. So, yeah, we're we're really proud of what we've managed to build and achieve in the time despite, you know, spending the last two years locked in our houses, working on our kitchen tables with our partners and kids. Well, it, it is a time, I think, that will go down in history. It will. When any small to medium business owner was certainly flying by the seat of their pants. You know, I know from our own perspective, and that's with having, you know, businesses, but small business. I, I say Trinity P3 is a micro multinational because globally we're less than 50 people, but we're in, you know, every continent except Antarctica and Africa. But uh, on that basis, you know, it's been really challenging. Mm. And I'm sure for you guys it's been a challenge too. What, what was probably the biggest challenge that you faced at the very beginning, back in early 2020? I think at the very beginning, the biggest challenge was, you know, if we think about the fact that JobKeeper hadn't been announced and there were no government grants that had been announced, we were in that awkward what's going to happen phase. And I think for us as, you know, small business owners, it was very much about how do we keep our staff how do we stay afloat? How long do we have to stay afloat for? You know, we've got a, a kitty of money in the business. How long does that need to last? Um, you know, what overheads can we scrap right away to try and make that um, last so that we can keep all of our people? And, of course, Ed, the uncertainty was that clients were feeling the same way. You know, they were sitting there going, oh, hell, what's going to happen next? Yeah. And their natural reaction, I'm sure you experienced this, was, well, we better shut up shop for a little while until we know what's happening. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, that that definitely impacted, you know, how we were feeling as business owners. You know, we had, we had one client on the day, a, you know, pretty substantial invoice was due to be paid, call us and say, I'm sorry, we, we can't pay it. 
So, you, you know, you throw things like that into the mix on top of all of the other stress and unknown factors. And, um, yeah, it was a pretty scary time to be a business owner um, and stressful for sure. And then because um, you're also based in Melbourne and uh, Melbourne has the, or Victoria has the dubious uh, honour of being the city that had the longest period of lockdown during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so it made, we were fortunate in that we were already set up on, you know, the Google ecosystem and Slack and things like that. So we were relatively, our pivot to work from home was pretty painless. Um, but that said, lockdowns weren't good for business, as, you, as you've already identified. Client Uncertainty isn't good for, for our business as a creative business because clients, you know, they might run old assets or, you know, just pull the plug or pause things. We had some clients that their marketing teams had been pulled onto other focuses in the business, not marketing, and the marketing function was sort of reduced. So... Yeah, it wasn't easy being in the most locked down city in the world, but we sort of just had to make it work. Because the other problem is, of course, managing people. I mean, apart from managing yourselves, how many, how many partners are there? So I've got this? two business partners. So Toby three Cummings. of you? Yeah, Toby Cummings and Matt Cummings. I'm in a family business, they're brothers, um, and myself. And then we have a, a team of about four or five others, um, as, as well as the usual freelancers and contractors. Um, yeah. So did that mean that, uh, you know, apart from keeping yourself sane, you also, you know, need to focus on the rest of the team? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a job unto itself, as I'm sure any, you know, per person in agency management would attest to. You know, there's only so many cooking classes or, um, you know, Zoom drinks that you can have, you know, organised fun. Um before it starts getting a bit tired. You know, if you think back to the first year of the pandemic, everyone was, you know, there was still a novelty there of doing things on Zoom, whether it was a dinner party or whatever. And so the things that we organised to keep culture and keep people, you know, keep morale high, you know, to try and stretch that out over the two-year period, it's it became really challenging because after a while, everyone's just like, oh, I've had enough of being on Zoom, like yeah. rather not. Well, I, I remember an agency that uh, I wanted to contact them. And they said, oh, you can't contact us between 12 and 1. I said, what, what's that? And I, oh, we have, uh, we have Trivial Pursuit yeah. between 12 and 1. And I said, every day. You know, and they had about 80 or 90 yeah. uh, staff. And I'm going, how do you play Trivial Pursuit with 80 or 90 people on Zoom? I mean... For me, it's bad enough having the sort of the Brady Bunch look on the Zoom screen without having that big long list of all the other people that you can't see. Totally, yeah. But that, that was their, their thing to do. Don't you find, though, Ed, that, you know, in many ways the advertising industry doesn't really do a lot for training you or giving you the experience of managing a business like that, managing people and things like that. Because your background, you've got experience in, you know, big multinational agencies and, and some, you know, independent agencies and things like that. But it's really part of the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think I think certainly in the creative department, there there are probably two types of creative people. You know, there, there's the creative person who is really happy to just work you know, in the creative department on creative briefs and not really think too much about how the ecosystem of advertising and marketing works. And then 
I think I probably fall into the other camp that I've always been really interested in the business of advertising as much as I am a creative person. And I've always sort of had a bit of an entrepreneurial streak. So starting my own agency was always something I wanted to do. Um, and I guess in term, you know, to get back to your question about whether, you know, you, you're prepared to manage a team of that scale, well, probably not. I think a lot of it just comes naturally, whether you, whether you sort of wired that way or not. Um, you know, whether you've got empathy and um, whether you, you know, can put yourselves in other, other people's shoes, your staff or your team's shoes and think about how they're feeling um, in relation to the task that you're asking them to do under the circumstances that we were in. And so we were, we were very, I suppose, um, we spent a lot of time trying to protect, you know, our team from the stresses that we were feeling. Mm-hmm. And try and make, um, you know, the creative part of their job as fun as it could be. And I think it's pretty amazing. I know there's a lot of negatives about COVID, but some of the positives, there were a lot of positives. And I think one of the things that we found is, um, you know, it really gave us a chance to sharpen our creativity because we were under such, um, you know, a huge amount of restrictions, couldn't shoot anything, couldn't really leave your house at some stages to do anything other than exercise. So it became a a task of how creative could we get? What's the best possible creative solution to this brief when you're under all of these government restrictions? Um, Well, I'm I'm glad you said that, you know, because it's great to see that you can see some positives because a lot of people have... To, done nothing but talk about the negatives. Yeah, well, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, uh, we're in the business of problem solving. If you dwell too much in the negative, then, you know, you're just going to get a negative result. Whereas I think we made the decision early on, despite being really quiet, like a lot of our clients in the first year particularly, just turned the tap off and we were, you know, business kept alive by JobKeeper, to be honest. Mm. Um, and we decided early on that we wanted to still generate creative, great creative ideas and we would come up, whether they were for, um, you know, we did an initiative to help Melbourne's pubs because they were they were sort of left behind. Of course, yeah. I you mean, that during lockdown, no one's going anywhere, are they? Well, Particularly the ch- out for a beer, not out yeah. for a beer. But the, the challenge really was is that, every restaurant in town suddenly was on Uber Eats and Deliveroo. So people at home had a bevy of options, you know, from top restaurants all around Melbourne. But you never really think about getting takeaway from your pub. So we created a, um, a, an initiative called Counter COVID where we encouraged people to order a counter meal um, to support, you know, their local. And we got a beer company, Moondog, on board and they, they would give every person who ordered a counter meal a tinny of Moondog to go with it. And so we had about... I think we had about 30 participating pubs in the end. We gave away a lot of beer and, um, you know, got on the news and stuff like that. And that's sort of like one example of how so, we... So this was proactive, Ed. You yes. were sitting there going, well, you know, thank you, uh, government, for yeah. the uh, job keeper. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're here. So what problems can we solve? Yeah, that's so, right. So, so where did the idea come up? For helping pubs, because I I love the idea of ordering a Palmer. I, I wish I uh, had have thought of it during lockdown, but yeah. I didn't. Well, know? we actually the, the 
the, the genesis of the idea came from a friend of ours who, who owns a pub and we could see how much he was struggling. And I think we just thought, you know, this is something that we can contribute to and we can help him, we can help his business. And then we quickly, once we had the idea, we quickly realised, well, hang on a minute, we could make this much bigger than just, you know, Guy's Pub could be, you know, as many pubs as we can get in Melbourne, which was a challenge, like navigating, you know, a bunch of pub owners and, you know, I had one meeting where I had about 20 different pub owners all, you know, wanting different things and it was a real learning in stakeholder management. Um, but that's the beauty, I think, of doing proactive um jobs like that is that everyone in the agency gets their hands dirty and does things that they don't normally necessarily do when they're working on a client engaged project. So, you know, everything from managing the, the social channels ourselves to, you know, stakeholder managing, you know, 30 pub owners and, and going out and getting sponsorship and all that sort of stuff. It's, I think it's really good for everyone in the agency to sort of every now and then, you know, get in there and help and do yeah. that stuff. And Ed, what about the actual logistics of producing stuff as well? Because I want, yeah. one is coming up with the brief, but I imagine, you know, when you're in a world where you can't go and organise a shoot or, you know, it's yeah. more difficult to do a recording or whatever it is, um, how did you navigate that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was different in every lockdown and the rules were constantly changing and it was a constant challenge and often we would have to pick our moment to get out there and get stuff before restrictions changed again. But I mean, a, a, a really good example of that was in one of the stage four lockdowns. So the really strict sort of one where you could really only leave your house for an hour to exercise. One of our clients is a family run pizza chain. And we realized that delivery people were allowed to move around and do whatever because they, were, they had worker permits. Yeah, they're all their essential service. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so we, we came up with this idea, well, what could we do with that? You know, if we've got these delivery drivers, they're the only people that can move around. What could we do that, you know, helps Bubba Pizza? And we had this idea, um, which is going to sound insane, but we strapped an iPad to a delivery driver's face so that someone could send their friend a pizza and then when the delivery driver was at the door your face would be on the delivery driver's face and, he, you know, he would hand you the pizza. So it was coming from your friend yeah. rather than just the delivery And you could driver. have a nice little moment, you know, as you, as you received this gift from your friend. Um, and, you know, we ended up getting on um, Sunrise or the morning show with Larry at the time. And, you know, it's that sort of stuff that really excites me about when creative people are faced with immense challenges and restrictions, there's always a clever solution to be had somewhere. So Ed, what's the lesson that you've taken out of that? Because now that, you know, uh, clients have come back and uh, briefs are coming through, is that, or you called it sharpening your creativity, has that had an ongoing effect with the approach that you take when a client walks in with a brief? What's the thought process that's probably sharper now than it was before? I think it just gives us the confidence to know that we can navigate obstacles and you know we called the agency by all means for a reason it's got that spirit in its dna um but having done it for ourselves for our own projects then allows us to go and do it for clients with confidence and go well you know what about that time we did that or you know let's do that again for this client or i think and it just proves that anything is really possible 
you know, with the right idea, um, despite immense challenges. That you can make it happen yeah. because, and, and particularly, I guess, because you're backing your own ideas. That's right. So we wanted to make it work. And I think, you know, I've worked in agencies before where creative people have gone, ah, oh, we need at least 300 grand to make this idea work. Like, you know, can't do it for anything less than 300 and throw the, you know, the brief away. And that always never really sat that well with me because to me, I get just as excited about a, a much lower budget idea than 300 grand than I do a big budget idea because there's something fun in trying to solve, you know, yeah. that riddle. It's interesting you say that, Ed, because one of the things that we often hear from clients when, you know, they've phoned up and said, ah, yeah, we want to find a new agency. And, and one of the things that they really get frustrated with is that they feel like every brief goes to television and every television uh, idea has to have a $300,000 plus um, price tag. Which they don't necessarily have, or if they do have, they're not a hundred percent convinced that that was the best way to invest their money. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, there's no. I mean, you you're you're a creative person originally was, was. as well. <laughs> I mean, you understand that the the process of making film is like the most fun you can have mm-hmm. in our in our business, and so it's, it doesn't surprise me that you hear that because. Creative people, I think, naturally go, ah, you know, I'd love to go and shoot something and make this beautiful piece of film. But I think the reality is more and more, particularly, you know, social and all that sort of stuff, is those budgets are getting smaller and TV isn't necessarily always right. And it's now more than ever that, you know, really clever creative thinking outside of the box of TV is is where, you know, people should be looking, I think. Um, because, yeah, as you say, a lot of clients can't afford TV. And, I mean, I haven't had my TV plugged into an aerial for five to ten years. So <laughs> You're streaming everything, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Now, the other thing we noticed, Trinity P3, was that during the pandemic, clients that were perhaps traditionally inclined to go for big network agencies or big established agencies were a lot more open to engaging with the smaller, but particularly the independent creative hot shops. You know, that this idea of playing it safe with the big agency had given way to, you know, not risk-taking, but they wanted something and to work with someone that was willing to push it further. Did that have any rub off on your business? Did you find that suddenly you were probably playing in a client mix that wasn't traditional for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the COVID definitely helped, you know, because the one thing it did do was it sort of leveled the playing field, you know. Clemenger's wheelbarrow full of awards and reception and, you know, big shiny reception desk don't matter anymore because everyone's just on Zoom with their own little background at home in their kitchen or bedroom or whatever you know whatever they're lucky enough to have and so I think it really helped us as a business because none of that stuff mattered I mean we have a nice office but it's not very big we don't have a huge boardroom that's probably the same as size as this and I think it all too often clients can get the stars in their eyes and you know walk into a big multinational and get the you know the razzmatazz and, and the, the gloss of that when really there's 
you know, having a wild card in the mix, I would say, an indie, you know, creative agency, you know, why not, you know? And COVID definitely, I think, accelerated that point of view that they, I think people were more open to try a different type of agency. And there was a lot of opportunity flying around because there was a lot of change happening. Everyone was probably reassessing their budgets, reassessing their partnerships, whether they were right for this new way of working. Um, So it felt like there was a bit of movement. Yeah, I I think it was also, as you said, you know, in the world of Zoom, Teams and Google Meet, that access was a lot easier, you know, in that you didn't have to go to the agency. You know, basically the agency appeared on your screen and it's interesting what you say about the backgrounds because, you know, I think it was uh, sometimes the smaller independent agencies were smarter in that they'd create a team look, yep. you know, they'd have a common uh, shared you know, virtual background, whereas, you know, uh, you'd often go into a Zoom meeting with uh, one of the big agencies and you'd be looking into someone's bedroom, someone's yeah. kitchen, you know, um, it didn't seem to be as professional. In in some ways, we're all in the, the same boat. That's right. So what, what mattered at the end of the day, and this is probably the point that I wasn't making properly before, was it was just all about the idea and the quality of the idea or the quality of the And pitch. the people. And the people, yeah. The people behind the idea or the pitch. The other stuff, the boardroom, the reception, the hot coffee, all of that was stuff. With the packaging. Didn't matter anymore. Mm. Um, and so I think that was a really exciting time because all of a sudden it was just about the quality of thinking. Yeah. The playing field was levelled. There was also um, a feeling that, especially in the first sort of six months, you know, that we, we talked about it earlier, the uncertainty, that, that a lot of marketers felt quite a big difference between contacting the big network agency with the head office on the other side of the world and asking, you know, because they were all in trouble, and asking for help. And the response was, yeah, yeah, we'd love to help you. We're just going to get, you know, check it, make sure we can. Whereas when you're dealing with a local independent like you guys, yes. the three partners are right there on the other end of that call, mm. ready to make a decision based on helping the client, but also your business capabilities as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like eating in a restaurant, right? If you're eating in a in a chain franchise and you've got a problem with your meal, you only get to speak to the manager who's employed by someone else and, you know, doesn't have direct contact to the owners and, you know, what kind of response are you going to get? But if you're having a nice meal in a restaurant and the owner is operating, you know, and sitting right there and you can call him over and say, hey, I've got this problem or whatever it is, you're going to get a much better service. And that's really what you get from an indie agency, you know, I think. We had a client in particular who came to us and said, guys, like at the moment, I just can't afford like what what you're charging. And, you know, that's sort of particular to the way that his business and his marketing fund works because it was affected. And between, you know, the four of us, we managed to come to an arrangement where we gave him temporary relief. And I think that in the long term will go a long way for our relationship. It's already a long-term relationship, but I think everyone will remember those moments where, you know. I hope you were talking to the business owner and not just the uh, the marketing person that could change was, jobs in three months' no, time. No, and the business owner, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the point. You can make business decisions. You could, you've you made a decision to invest in that relationship. Mm. 
You know, it's interesting because one of the observations that we made quite a while ago was back in 2007 when you were a wee lad, you know, but a lot of clients got hit by the global recession and they needed to, you know, their budgets got cut, but they needed to do the same amount of work for less. And a lot of agencies just immediately said, we'll do all the work that you want for that lesser amount, 30, 40% less, thinking that it would be reciprocated, that when things got better, the, the money would come back. But what they hadn't allowed for is one, the short-term memory of clients or, <laughs> or, or tenure of, of marketers yeah. and the rise of procurement who said, well, if you could do it 30% less, why can't you always do it 30% less? Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the things. As a business decision, you need to take into consideration Will this be an investment in the relationship that will pay off or not? Yes. And, you know, I think that the the great thing about being a creative person who owns a business or who owns an agency is also being able to look at that client and go, is is the work that we're doing for this client vital to us getting more work? You know, is, is, the, is the work worth investing in? And in this case, it was. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just financial, it's uh, the opportunity that it presents to do yeah. great work because that's how you'll get more clients. That's right. But also to deepen and extend the relationship so that, you know, we could talk about lifetime value of clients as a concept as well. Yeah. What do you think was the biggest opportunity? Because I know you've made a few changes to your business uh, during the pandemic that's brought you out the other side in quite good shape. Yeah, look, I think... I mean, you would understand running a business for a long time. I think there's a, certainly in our business, I think we were doing well before COVID hit, but we were probably six years in and running relatively on autopilot, you know, and I don't think when you're busy sort of working on client briefs and things like that, it's hard to find time to work actually on the business. And I think one thing COVID afforded us was the opportunity to, sit down and go, hey, guys, well, we're going to emerge from this at some point. Lockdown's going to end. The you know clients are going to come back. We're going to get busy again. Let's just assume that's a certainty. What do we want to change about our business? So it was almost a really amazing opportunity to kind of re-look at everything with the same rigor that we you know look at clients' businesses and go, what could be better about how we operate? And one of the things was you know the office finding a, a better space that suited our needs better. And that's sort of a cosmetic thing, really. But, you know, we're also sort of rebranding at the moment, um, you know, updating our logo, all of our collateral, all of our, you know, templates and all that sort of stuff. And it sounds like a small thing, but it's good to draw a line in the sand after coming out of something like COVID and just going everything. We're, we've got a new sense of positivity and a new sense of, um, how we do business moving forward that, you know, we'll put all that behind us and now we're going to be a better agency for it because of the challenges that we've had to overcome. Because I think when your back's against the wall and you kind of, you know, you've taken a few hits, that really wakes you up, you know, and I think that's when you really start to think hard about, it's a bit like starting the business all over again, really. And mm. what, what do we want to change? You know, so I think there's a lot of things that probably it's a little bit too early to sort of talk about, but there are things that are in the works that by all means, you know, in terms of even the people um, and 
people coming into the business and things like that that will, I think, set us on to a new exciting chapter. And do you think some of that's been driven by probably a deeper appreciation of what you've actually created and its ability to survive something like a once-in-a-lifetime mm. catastrophe like a, a pand- global pandemic? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think us doing the, you know, the initiatives, our, our sort of um, proactive initiatives throughout lockdowns, which, you know, the, the, the third one that we did was um, to commemorate Melbourne becoming the most locked down city in the world, we created these T-shirts with Oslo Davis and the, the, the design had Flinders Street Station all overgrown with vines and it said greetings from Locktown on the front and on the back it had all of the lockdown dates written like a band. Two or dates. Two or dates. And we, you know, that was another sort of proactive project that then we attached Beyond Blue to. And so every... Um, every ounce of profit from those T-shirts went to Beyond Blue to support mental health services, which were very much needed in Melbourne and Victoria at the time. And we ended up selling uh, over $100,000 worth of stock in three or four weeks. So that was equated to almost $50,000 to Beyond Blue. And I think once, once we've sort of done things like that and shown that we can creatively prosper under these, you know, crazy circumstances, you suddenly really believe in the product again. And our product is creativity. It's easy to sort of forget how important and how powerful creativity is as our product and what we do. And I think moving forward, you know, we do that with renewed confidence in us as creative people, as creative um, practitioners. And, And, you know, I think that having that work you know, already has generated work for us. You know, we had a client that we hadn't heard from in ages see the T-shirts and go, hey, that's awesome. Can you do something like that for us? Um, and we had another client see something else we did and, and say, that's awesome. Like, you know, I sort of you were off my radar, but now you're back on. So I think doing that stuff really, I think, helped set us up for this next sort of chapter. So you've been marketing by all means by giving back to the community or, or solving problems proactively. Yeah, I guess so. Because it's interesting, you haven't mentioned the purpose one, purpose world word once, you know, and yet it's clear to me that there's definitely, you know, a purpose. One, one was you're uh, determined to inspire, but as you said, that comes from the name. Mm. But there does seem to be a underlying purpose that obviously resides with the three founders. Yeah, look, I think... Have you ever articulated that? I think for us, it comes down to the fact that we we don't... As a business, our goal isn't to grow and sell. You know, we just want to build a highly creative agency that's big enough to service the clients that we want to work with. And so for us... The decision to, to take on a charity project or a pro bono thing or a proactive thing, we see as a as a culture building exercise in in celebrating our creativity and not as like a oh we're sinking all this money into this thing what's the return, and and that's to me been the really exciting thing about starting my own agency is being able to make those calls and make those decisions. I think we've always talked as. The three founders, we've always made a commitment to do at least one truly proactive pro bono 
whether it's pro bono or proactive thing for the community a year. And, you know, previously we'd, we've done something um, in the homelessness space. Um, and then obviously there was the pubs and, and the T-shirts um, in the last few years. But I think it just comes naturally to us because it's we like to be part of the community, I think. Um, and the connections and the, the people that you meet, even in the media, um, through doing those projects, just help you later on on client projects. Yeah. You've shared with us uh, today how the business has changed and the, and the benefits in many ways of the pa- pandemic. What's it done for you personally and, and professionally? You know, from, from the creative person and the business person you were two or three years ago to who you are today, what do you think have been the biggest transformations or lessons for you? I think personally um, I have gained a lot of confidence in managing to survive this crazy thing you know I think it would have been easy to at the start of this to really freak out and make some horrible decisions and luckily we have really good people around us that we can call on for advice and support and help you know make sure that we're on the right path with you know things like financing things that we're not sort of necessarily experts in but I think personally coming out of COVID it's with a renewed confidence in, in us as an agency and our abilities. Um, and, you know, for me, it's doing things like this. You know, I, we've never been an agency that really PR'd themselves very much. We were always too busy doing the work. And, you know, recently someone said to me, you know, flying under the radar is not a good business model. And for us, I think we were just, we just, you know, we don't really enter awards. It's just, you know, we just do our thing. In the in you know over there, um, and for a long time that was sort of worked well for us. But I think coming out of COVID, we've we've realised that you know we need to shift things up, and um, and so you know this is a classic example. I think coming and talking to you about our business wouldn't have been something I probably would have agreed to do pre-COVID. Yeah, well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad that uh, the pandemic happened and uh, <laughs> and helped you get some uh, confidence because. You know, whoever said flying under the radar is a bad strategy, you know, so many agencies say to me, why is it that everyone's talking about Thinkabell and the monkeys and Mm. special group? And I go, I don't know. They seem to be in the trade media all the time, you know. (laughs) Special groups opened in London and and Thinkabell's done another campaign. I don't know why as an industry that's all about communication we really struggle with understanding how to communicate the work that we do and, more importantly, the value that you deliver to your clients. Yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah, look, I mean, it's probably a topic for a longer conversation, but I think being a creative person, you can get gun shy, you know, with publications like Campaign Brief where, you you know, you have your work stripped to shreds by anonymous comments and... And I think that does affect, you know, us when we started the agency. We didn't. We chose not to PR it because we thought, what are people going to say? Well, it it's, depends where you PR it. You know, I that's think, right. I think yeah. Campaign Brief is uh, one of those fabulous echo chambers where, you know, uh, it's probably, sad, sad, pathetic trolls sit yes. there 
tearing shreds off everyone else because they're doing better work than the troll can do. And I like to think that it's only really four people doing it. (laughs) It looks like a lot of people, but maybe it's only three or four of the same people every time. But in actual fact, your agency grows because there's people out there with business problems or marketers wanting, you know, Mm. creative solutions. And the only way they're going to find out about that is either word of mouth or they hear or read about you. So I think uh, your, your strategy is a good one. Mm. Keep it up. Yeah, thank you. Uh, look, Ed, we've uh, run out of time. It goes so quickly having these conversations. I really appreciate you. Uh, well, you're in Sydney, but uh, thank you for popping by and having this chat. Anytime. Thanks for having me in. And uh, before you go, because uh, obviously you know, there's quite a few pictures going on at the moment, what would be your ideal client? Mm.